1: Radio Red in the house. Happy to be here dealing with all kinds of issues, but we are here live and I'm so thrilled to be here. I've got an interesting panel of people for you today, but let's quickly panelists. I want you to join me. We have a special shout out we do at the beginning of every show. On the count of three, I want you to join me very loud and say hello, LLL. So one, two, three. Hello, L. There you go. Oh, that Josh, every week I say that was the best. And I think this really, really was. Larry's been on before. He knows. LLL is lovely, lanky. Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. She's in Whitestone, New York. Nicole, I tried to get her. I've had a fake GoFundMe fund for three years trying to move her to London, but it's so hot and icky there right now. I don't want to. So we're going to move her to Larchmont, which is just a short haul move from Whitestone to Larchmont. I don't think she's happy there, but it'll be okay. LLL, we love you. LLL will email me at 8.01 p.m. Eastern tonight night like she does every Monday and tell me how much she enjoyed my guests and what she learned from all of you. And she'll give me a little synopsis of everything you said on the show. So be prepared. I want you all to wave hello, please, to Facebook. There we go. All smiles. Wonderful. We are recording the show. We're live on the Voice America Radio Empowerment Channel, which is exactly where we want to be. And everybody, I want you to say on the count of three to my engineer. He's a one name wonder. I want you to say one, two, three. Hello, Josh. One, two, three. Hello,
2: hello, hello Josh. Josh.
1: there you go. Josh will not answer. He's very well behaved. It's Monday, August 15th. Uh, we are in the Western Zodiac sign of Leo, which goes to August 22nd. I have a special person in my family who's having a special birthday tomorrow. I won't tell everybody who he is because they won't want to know how old he is. And that makes me older. So we'll leave that one alone. This is day number 237. Larry, use this for you. 237 in the Gregorian calendar for 2022. And I always do a shout out, Nicole, to Greg Gregory or Gregor, whatever his mommy called him, because we're still using his calendar. How special is that? That's creative. There are 138 days as the lamp goes off here. What else could go wrong? 138 days left in 2022. This is the 33rd Monday and nobody cares about that except me. But the significance of the 138 days left is that if you're planning something special, because I'm hoping we're all going to stay alive and well for New Year's Eve to welcome 2023 as we come out of this dark tunnel called the pandemic for the past two and a half years, you may want to plan for something special to drink or to cook, or to bake, or to do whatever you want to. But mostly we're talking about drinking for New Year's Eve. So if you're going to be making homemade Kahlua, you need to start it now, Arlene, wherever you're going to do it. Larry, if you're going to start with some moonshine and this backyard, you better start brewing it now. And Nicole, if you've got some kind of special brew you're doing in the sink in the garage, this is the time to start it. So you have your warning. And if you're just going to be buying something wonderful from Gary Vee or somebody who has an online wine store, liquor store, the shelves will be cleaning out soon because it's almost Labor Day, kids. It's August 15th, so get thee to wherever you're going to cook, going to brew, going to bake, going to boil, going to buy, and do it soon. Okay, so we won't say anything about Leo, but I love the person who's a Leo in my life, and he's been with me for a long time, and he's very dear to me. And he's not flying his plane today. We'll just leave that one alone. I have three wonderful guests. I want you to all wave hello when I call your name. I'm just going to give a one-sentence bio. Arlene, Dwayne Hemingway. Arlene. Arlene and I decided we're always going to look like this when we go to the supermarket or to the groceries, any, any, any place, the dry cleaners or to get the car service. We're just going to look fabulous because that's who we are. She's a former music teacher, a professional organist. And she writes in a special, Nicole, you're going to get a kick out of this. Arlene writes in a special short form fiction format called Drabble. It's 100 words. That's it. Nicole's writing a book. Think about that. Don't say a word. Nicole Bueno is with us. She's a licensed clinical social worker and a lot of other things, a behavioral health expert. She has helped NCAA athletes with their performance through Performance and behavior. And we're going to talk about that, how you do what you do. And she's writing a book and I don't know anything about it yet. And she's going to tell us, Nicole, wave hello. There you are. <laughs> I always get so happy on Monday nights. I don't know what's wrong with me. It's because you're all here. And Larry Grogan is back. I had to have Larry because he was at the summit publicity summit again. And he said, and I've got somebody special to introduce to you. It's Arlene. And so I said, well, we got to have Larry on with Arlene. And here you are, Larry, the author of a tale T-A-I-L of love life lessons from scrappy, a pet therapy dog, his beloved scrappy was with him as a pet therapy team in a children's hospital. And Larry, I'm so happy you're back. I'm calling today's episode creativity that cares because I sensed a thread in all three of you. You're all caring people. You use, right, Nicole? You use your creativity to express caring. You share it with other people, but you care about other people and their lives. And I was, I'm very happy to have you all here. So let's go around the table warning my audience. We freeze once in a while here. We're having some Mac issues today. Hopefully they don't happen, but we're just gonna keep streaming and that's the way it is. So we'll keep talking even if you can or can't see us. Let's go around the table, Arlene. Dwayne Hemingway, delighted to be to meet you, to have you here. We have a three-minute rule on the show, Arlene. I'm not clocking you, and Larry's not going to tell me when to mute your microphone. And Josh is very well behaved. We're not throwing you off, but let's keep it very tight so that we have plenty of time for everybody. Arlene, you're going to be on full screen speaker view. Would you please give us the full bio? Who are you? What are you all about? And what in the world is a dribble? Arlene, welcome. I'm
3: Dwayne Hemingway, former music teacher, as was mentioned. And I'll go right to the travel because that's where my heart is. The travel is a story written in exactly 100 words, no more, no less, which means that you don't have a lot of redundancies. You can get to the meat of the matter. And usually people finish one, I think in about three minutes. The creativity part is from anything that I see or hear. And sometimes there are conversations that aren't necessarily meant for me. But if they're wafting in my direction and call my attention and upset my solitude what I'm doing, there it is. And I also have a muse, which helps me to catch that and remember it. I also write little things down on slips of paper and put them in an envelope. And after a while, when I feel the need to write, I will empty one of those envelopes in the middle of the bed. And the stories that need to be written will speak to me they have a mind of their own. Sometimes I, I, since there are a lot of pieces of paper, I'll hold up one and it will say, no, no. My muse is also working too, no. At the end of that, which takes about a half hour or so, I've got about four or five stories. The one that screams the loudest gets more attention. And then the one that is timely. For example, I had written a story about a woman never having been a president in the United States even though other countries have women who are at the top echelon in politics. And right after my story was written, the following year, we got Kamala Harris as the vice president, and that was the closest. So it was like bringing in currency bets. So I helped her get there. (laughs) I wrote that story, I energized life, and there she was. Her name wasn't Kamala in my story, but there she was empowered and so this is the kind of thing you never know what's going to hit the airwaves, what you're going to see, but anything is fodder. So I, I write a life, slice of life—that's what I call them—and sometimes people have a conclusion to a problem they're having. If they read a story, they'll say, "Oh, this is the way it ended," and gets them to thinking about what they need to do. So this spends most of my—this is most of my time—and also helping people to heal as well. I do something called Regenesis, and that's working with programming DNA. So I do hands-on as well. So...
1: Thank you, Arlene. Pleasure to meet you. I, I'm intrigued, the idea of putting notes and then dumping them out on the bed and seeing what talks to you. I wrote a, rom- a couple of romantic comedy plays about 10, oh, maybe eight years ago. And I started writing usually at one o'clock in the morning by four. I was a little tired. I was working full time. But that's but the characters are were speaking to me. The lines were coming out of them telling me what to write, what to type. And years later, I, I used this as a, I ran a, a comedy cold reading salon, I called it in my community. And I put some of my plays out on paper, on, on a, a table and I used scripts from Roald Dahl, some of his short stories that were delicious and and interesting and fun, and somebody picked one of my plays, and they were doing a cold read of a couple of lines from my play, a couple of pages, and I sat there, and I was laughing hysterically, and I said, gee, who's the author of that? And I said, oh, crap, it was me. It was (laughs) me. the characters the lines the dialogue it was just coming out it's like you're those notes are saying yes write me don't write me I'm ready I'm the one I'm the voice." it's it's amazing let thank you let's move on I want to hear from Nicole Bueno I met you at the National Publicity Summit a while ago so happy to have you here I'm putting you on speaker view let's see if the the Mac will stay and uh let's find out who you are what are you all about Nicole so happy to have you here welcome go ahead
4: Thank you. I'm Nicole Bueno. I'm by day a social worker, a creative, an adventurer, the same by night. Um, (laughs) But I just love all and any aspects of um, trying to think outside of the box and be creative. And um, AKA Radio Red, you hit it right on the nose when you said that you know oftentimes it's even find using creativity and trying to discover and develop just more and more ways of how to be creative but in a way that's caring so i work one of the things i do is work with persons in my community and teach them how to harness the power of thought to overcome things that they perhaps thought was not um, achievable for them or things they never thought possible, whether they're dealing with um, wanting to pursue a, a goal for themselves, overcome anxiety, deal with depression. There are so many ways to be able to get creative and something not the same thing works for everyone. And so I really enjoy that part of my work because I feel like I'm being able to make a difference, but yet I get to use my creative capabilities um, to help me help others get to where they want to be in their life and obtain goals that they want to reach in their life.
1: Oh, um, I got to interrupt you for a second. You just said something I've never heard, I, a helping professional, I'm going to use that generalized term, mm-hmm. help me help others. I haven't heard that help you help others creativity comes into play any psychologist psychiatrist counselor coach mentor has to be creative in how they address the challenges the problems the needs even just how you listen to the other thank you for saying that nicole go ahead continue please didn't mean to interrupt but that was so remarkable what you said go ahead
4: yeah no that's fine and you know to add to that it really is being a lifelong student and, you know, there's always, you know, science is always ever developing um, and there are new things. We, If I just learned a cookie cutter approach, that may work for one person, but it's not going to work for the next. And so I really enjoy that part of what I do, which is being the, the student, the lifelong mm-hmm. student who is always learning and by myself learning new things, then I can turn around and help others and help them implement those things in their lives.
1: Thank you. Creativity that cares. Nicole, you have to tell us, is there a title to your book you're writing yet, or is it still a secret?
4: It's still a secret. Yes. It's a working (laughs) title.
1: So read my lips is if she says it, don't read my lips. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Do you have a, you want to give us a working title? Can you give us a hint, a clue? Something to talk about. You're kidding me. That's the name of my TV show. Is it? (laughs) I had a TV show on, on access TV in New York for over 20 years, and Uh it's called something to talk about. I kid you not. And I
4: think alike.
1: Yeah. And you know what my theme song was? Because it was access, we were allowed to use licensed music because it was a nonprofit station. So it's Bonnie Raitt. Let's give him something to talk about. I don't mean to sing on my show. It ruins the show, Arlene. I'm sorry. I hope I didn't offend you. Anyway, Larry's used to that already. Thank you, Nicole. Well, that's a heck of a title. How dare you? Oh, I forgot to copyright it. Okay, we're going to move on. Nicole, delighted to have you. Thank you so much. And thanks for accepting my invitation at the summit. It was it was fun to meet you. I speed booked, I think, 38 people at the summit that day, and most of them have come through with their, with their deliverables and with con- confirmation, so I'm happy. Larry, I met you a long time ago at the summit, and you were back for more, and I was so happy to see you, and I just couldn't resist inviting you back. So Larry Grogan, welcome. How have you been? How's the book doing? Let's pretend, Larry, bear with me here. Let's pretend, or I'm going to not even pretend. I did a survey just before the show, and Larry, I found out there were 14.2 people in the world who didn't remember you from the last time you were on the show. And you, I know, 14.2? 14.2. I don't want to upset you. On my business shows, it's usually 9.3 or Uh 7.8, but 14.2, and I want you to talk to those. Arlene, I have no sense of humor. I'm sorry. It's a very dry show. I, Larry, talk to those 14. Point, I used to do stand-up comedy, Nicole. Now I just try to be funny sitting down. Once in a while, it works. What can I tell you? Bada boom. Larry, talk to those 14.2 and a little bit to the others. What have you been up to since the last time you were on? Read my lips, Larry. Go ahead.
2: Well, it's been an amazing journey, and that's really the best way to describe it. It's been a real journey since I was with you the last time. Um, I've really expanded my my mission. You know, it was really just having the book was available. It was nice to share the stories about pet therapy, talk about uh, why pet therapy is so important. But now I've really taken that to the next level. I'm about to launch into a public speaking arena. I'm gonna focus initially in the college market and then take it into the corporate and nonprofit area. But the main reason I'm doing it is really to share with everyone exactly what pet therapy is and how important pet therapy is to the healing process. Because my goal is to eventually have over 200,000 certified pet therapy teams in the United States. And that's quadrupling the number of where we are now. And the reason I want to accomplish that is to get more pet therapy teams into schools, whether it be elementary, middle school or high school. And then I'm also going to focus on the college level and have college students form their own pet therapy organizations right there on campus. And the main reason is really to address the traumatic experiences that our students have been through over the past couple of years and address the need for mental health awareness because pet therapy can address all of those issues and do it in a manner that is compassionate, it's fun, it's happy, it's loving. You've got an animal there in front of you that is dedicated to you 100% of the time for that moment that you're with them. And they will do nothing but love you And that's really how we can address some of these uh, mental health issues that our students are dealing with.
1: Thank you very much, Larry. I appreciated that. I admire someone with a concrete goal, 200,000, 25% more. How did you come up with that number? Is there significance to that number, Larry? Just curious.
2: Well, initially it was just the number, but then I started doing the math. And if you take a look at the math, There's 96 million dog households, excuse me, 69 million dog households in the United States. And between millennials and baby boomers, they make up about 40 million. And so if we can get one half of 1% of 40 million, we'll get to 200,000.
1: I did not rehearse getting a formula, I'm telling this to to Arlene, to Nicole, and to my audience if you're watching us on Facebook or listening on Voice America Empowerment. We did not discuss a formula, but I had a feeling, Larry, somebody as intelligent as you are and sharp-minded as you are, and I'm paying you a compliment there, I hope you accept that, uh, I had a feeling that there was a reason a logic behind that number. And it just popped in my head, ask Larry, what that was. And and you had that ready. So thank you, Larry. I, I admire that. Thank you. Oh, thank you. That's, that's quite a goal. A, a pet therapy team is one human and one pet, or could it be multiple pets or multiple people just quickly? What, what's, is there a, a, a algorithm or a terrible word, a formula for, for how you put together a pet therapy team, Larry?
2: There's not necessarily a a formula, let's say, but it's typically one person, one animal at a time. Now, you can have one person with multiple animals. Yes. But typically they go with just a single animal uh, because each animal needs to have a handler assigned to them.
1: Thank you very much. I was thinking maybe... A husband and wife would have a dog that they have both trained and they wanted to put into pet therapy or a brother and sister or a father and a daughter, a mother and a that kind of thing. Okay, very interesting. Well, I'm sure creativity will enter into that sphere when the time has come. Let's move on to the quote section of the show. Arlene, Nicole and Larry, I ask you all to please each of you to send me a fictional quote from a movie or a TV character or from a song lyric that has nothing to do with creativity in terms of the exact words, the use of the language. And you're going to explain, please, take two to three minutes each. Uh, I'm gonna read your quote in a second, Arlene. Uh, Take two or three minutes to explain what you think it has to do with creativity and why you selected it? So, Arlene, you have picked Arlene. Dwayne Hemingway has picked a beautiful quote from a Johnny Nash hit, 1972, in the song. As I can see clearly now, just a little background. He's no longer with us. John Lester Nash Jr. 1940 to 2020, American singer-songwriter known for this hit in 1972. He was a reggae and pop singer, one of the first non-Jamaican artists to record reggae music in Kingston. Interesting, and he worked with his manager Danny Sims, and they formed a record company called J-O-D-A, Joda Records, and they moved to Jamaica, and they met Bob Marley and the Wailing Whalers at a party that Nash was invited to by a son of his lawyer. I have all the details here. So they signed Marley, Bunny Wailer, Peter Tosh, and Rita Marley to four exclusive publishing contracts in Jamaica at their company, which was called Cayman Music, get this, for $50 a week Jamaican money. Wow. Fifty dollars a week, and their company in the early days also. Um, let's see, this song sold over a million copies. Uh Joda Records released the Cowills song, "All I Really Want to Be Is Me," and then they went bankrupt. So there you go. The quote is, "I can see clearly now; the rain is gone. It's <clears throat> gonna be a bright, bright, sunshiny day." Arlene, I'm sorry I botched that, but I just no, had this. It's, Was it's, it too bad? bad, Nicole? Did no, I manage to fine. get through yeah. that? Arlene, talk to me. How'd you pick this beautiful quote? When you asked about a quote, that's the first thing that
3: popped into my mind. And even though I had not heard it for a number of years, but it is a truism as far as I've been concerned, because with the job assignments that I've had, there've been some very unbright days to put it. And when you think about tears being sun, being opposed to sun, I think in terms of rain being the water that will fall. And basically when you cry, you feel better because it's kind of like a cleansing thing that happens after you cry, your whole system feels better. Number one, number two, it kind of stops you in your track from thinking about what you were thinking about before because the only thing you're focused on is when is this rain gonna stop? Can I get to my next assignment? What's going to happen? So in that moment that you are stopped, not thinking about your particular problem, a lot of different thoughts and ideas can come in. It's one of those things that children have learned evokes loving arms from an adult. Oh, you poor dear, the slightest thing, all they have to do is to crinkle up their faces and I don't want vanilla ice cream, I want chocolate and i will start, oh, don't worry, honey. I love you. It gets them so they know there are positive results from that. Not that they're in pain because they're not going to get the kind of ice cream they want, but it means that someone is caring, I'm getting some solace at that time. And my son hopefully, well, will you take a a piece of pie for this Usually there's an offering that can be replacing what they don't have at that moment and it's fine. But they have moved on to the next page a parent or an adult is not concerned about the tears anymore. And the child learns, you know, no matter what happens, I cry, but there's always the next step to it. So that's a way of moving forward in life in general. And the same with creativity. You're stuck, but if you wait for a minute, those characters will probably speak to you and you'll find they'll become unstuck. And that's with anything else in your life. So to me, that is a very powerful song. It also seems to go up at the end because right, sunshiny day, it doesn't go down. It stays up on an upbeat as far as the, the contour of the melody goes. And that makes good sense too. It doesn't go down after the sunshine is there. It stays up on a, on a level tone. So there are many things to think about that particular. And it's so simple. It's not complicated. It's not 15 (laughs) verses. It's just so, before you think about it, it's over. And you've heard
1: something that's powerful. So that evokes Very very uh, positive. Arlene, you said something, like I picked on something Nicole said before. You said something you said, sometimes a character gets stuck. We don't usually hear that. We hear writer's block don't we, mm-hmm. Nicole, Larry? We are, Oh, the author has writer's block. I can't write. I'm not inspired or my muse is gone or it's a dark, cloudy day. And I'm just not feeling it. I'm not in the mood. The muse isn't talking to me. We don't hear about it. characters getting stuck. Arlene, what a picturesque way to portray what happens. Because I said, and, and you said, our characters, your notes talk to you, my characters talk to me. Well, what if a character gets stuck? So you you don't have to blame the writer. You can blame the damn character. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's just leave that one on the table. I'm going to move on to the quote from uh, Nicole. Nicole has sent a quote from Glinda, the Good Witch of the North, played by the actress called Billy Burke, B-I-L-L-I-E. Anybody wondering, Burke with an E, The Wizard of Oz, of course, 1939. She's a fictional character created by L. Frank Baum for his Oz novels. She first appeared in the 1900 children's classic, The Wonderful Wizard, Of Oz, and is the most powerful sorceress in the land of Oz, ruler of the quadling country south of the emerald city she's the protector of princess ozma and here's where she figures in glinda welcomes dorothy dorothy Gale, played by judy garland in the movie welcomes her to oz sends her off to see the wizard i'm singing again nicole i'm sorry orchestrates dorothy's rescue from the deadly poppy field Ooh, and reveals the secret to going home and we know what color the shoes were that she was clicking so the quote is you always had the power dear You just had to learn for yourself. Nicole, did I do that okay?
4: Yes, it was perfect.
1: Thank you. You're very kind. Go ahead. Talk to us. How'd you find this one? I love the quote, by the way.
4: You know, it's a quote that I discovered about six years ago. And I tapped into my creative self, went to an arts and crafts store, and I wrote it on a a wooden piece. And I have it here at my home and I love it so much because I think it really translates into many of our lives that the the capability that we have within ourselves to achieve things and to do things um, is is there for the taking. We just um, can be very self-limiting And not tap into it or not know how to tap into it. How many times do we hear people say, well, God, that that wouldn't work out. What if that doesn't work out? Well, if it's a 50-50 chance, what if it does work out? Imagine what that would look like. And so I really like it because it really tries to put a different focus on what we think we're capable of and going outside of our comfort zone. It really speaks to tapping into our potential, which often requires going outside of our comfort zone, but that's where the growth happens. And that's where the success can be and, and lessons um, and more growth and development in our lives. And so that quote for me by Miss Glenda, the good witch, Um, as she says to Dorothy is you just had to learn it for yourself, but you've, you've had that power all along and we can replace power for, with courage, Mm -hmm. with
1: heart. Yes. Compassion. Yes. Nicole, do you know what you've got sitting on a shelf above your head to the left as uh, to the right, as I'm looking at you to your left, you've got a rock with the word believe on it. You just have to, Larry, that's pretty good. Huh? I noticed that. Uh, yes. You just yes. have to believe that you got it, the power. Nicole, yes. very well placed, my dear. That was. You have the power. You have the rock that says believe. I like that. I don't know if you did that strategically because you knew you were going to be talking about that quote, but I say very well. You've got one that says laugh on the other side, so we'll just talk about the believe one. Thank you, Nicole. Let's move on to Larry. Larry has sent a quote from Miles, played by Curtis Armstrong, said to Joel, played by Tom Cruise. This is an early Tom Cruise movie. Oh, my. Risky business. 1983. They call it an American teen sex comedy drama film. Larry, are there any? More genres they could have put in there. They're just missing high Wi-Fi, sci-fi. They're just missing something. Android. They're missing something. Risky business. Uh, also starred Rebecca De Mornay. The themes were materialism, loss of innocence, coming of age, capitalism. Oh no! It was Tom Cruise's breakout film. Get this: the budget was six point two million. It grossed $63 million, Larry, on a $6.2 million budget. Be still the hearts of all the girls who want to see Tom Cruise in his underwear. I think I remember. And by the way, my kid's aunt, I won't name her first name, but she knows who she is, took my kids to see Risky Business when she was family visit one day. When I wasn't, I must have been at work. And when I found out what the movie was, and my kids were young, I said, holy How could you do that? I kind of never forgot, and I never forgave her, but she's not (laughs) listening, so it's okay. So here's the quote Larry has selected. Joel, you want to know something? Every now and then say, what the, what the, gives you freedom, gives you opportunity, and opportunity makes your future. I didn't say the F word because we don't drop F bombs here, but you all got the Okay. That's, we're throwing that rock that says, believe we're changing the letters. Larry, help me out. How'd you find us? How dare you? Larry Grogan, talk to me. Go ahead.
2: Well, I I apologize for the language, but it's the message that kind of came home to me. Because I think when you are creative and you've got the ability to think, as Nicole said, outside the box, you don't want those barriers to be around you. And I think sometimes having a bit of an attitude like that quote obviously has, allows you to knock those walls down, yeah. to paint outside those lines, and probably do some of the things that you ordinarily wouldn't do. But I think that's part of the creative process. It's that way of going through you know, the walls. They say sometimes in football, you've got to run through the wall. But um, I think that just for me, it expresses the need to do, do the alternative and just you know say exactly what's on your mind at that point in time, but still have that creative effect to make someone else think differently or see differently or have a different attitude towards you. And that to me is part of the creative process that um, is critical.
1: Thank you very much. You almost said part the first part of a another quote that Tom Cruise is very famous for in a later movie, which has just been redone again, Top Gun. And the famous quote is, of course, I feel the need, the need for speed. He <laughs> plays Pete Maverick Mitchell and Goose, played by Anthony Edwards, says the need for speed. So anyway, I, uh, my guests on my business shows use that a lot when we're talking about companies that are laggards in the quest for digital transformation. We'll just leave that one alone. I do that under a different name. Nobody's supposed to know it's me. Okay. Okay, let's do a couple of, thank you all for the interesting quotes. I appreciate the time you put into them, Larry and Nicole and Arlene. Very much appreciate the quotes and how you explain them. Let's do a couple of famous dates in history. In 1843, I know none of us were around in that day, but Tivoli Gardens opened in Copenhagen, one of the oldest amusement parks in the world, and apparently it's still intact. Has anybody been to Tivoli Gardens besides me? I was Nicole. Nicole, get get thee somewhere if you're on their way. I think it's still a safe country to go to. Um, Bobby Caldwell, 1951, was oh he was born on this day. He wrote "What You Won't Do for Love." Anybody remember that song? What you won't do? Yeah. Well, he was born. Joe Jonas is having a birthday from the Jonas Brothers. The Beatles on this day in 1965, the Beatles played to the largest crowd of over 55 thousand at Shea Stadium in New York City. and among those attending were future wives of two of the Beatles Barbara Back and Linda Eastman. Isn't that interesting? 1969. Anybody know what happened? Upstate New York, 1969. It was big, it was muddy, it was noisy, it was messy.
2: It was Woodstock.
1: That's exactly right. Woodstock Festival opened in Bethel, New York, on Max Yasgur's Dairy Farm. Richie Havens, Tim Hardin, Ravi Shankar, Melanie, Arlo Guthrie, and Joan Baez were there. Also on this day in 1991, let's fast forward, 750,000 people were in Central Park. Guess what? Paul Simon gave a free concert. Can you imagine, Arlene, 750,000 people? No. I can't either. <laughs> I know. Today, they would we'll no. let them all in. On 19, In 1960, on this day, Elvis Presley's It's Now or Never hit number one, uh, Dean Martin in 1964, his song "Everybody Loves Somebody." Yes, you all. Some of you remember that. Uh, that hit number one in Three Dog Night's album. Three Dog Night was certified gold on this date in 64. Beatles played in 1965 to 60,000 fans at Shea Stadium. That was a popular place. Uh, "Endless Love," remember the duet by Diana Ross and Lionel Richie? It hit the top 100. On this day in 1981, it stayed there for nine weeks. Count them, Larry, nine weeks. Endless love. And in 2007, which was only how many years ago? 15 years ago. The Osmonds. Anybody remember the Osmonds reunited to perform their 50th anniversary concert for PBS? I can't believe that. Uh, Let's see now. Napoleon, the French general and emperor of France, with his hand in his jacket, he was a little man, was born in 1960. I'm sorry, 1769, bad me. Anybody remember Rosemarie, the American actress? She was blonde and she was on the Maury Amsterdam show. She was born in 1923. I don't think she's around anymore. Um, Let's see, Ben Affleck, having a birthday. Ben, formerly of, what was her name? The one who's doing all the ads for the travel card. Deborah Messing was born today. Will and Grace. Kerry Walsh Jennings. Anybody know who Kerry Walsh Jennings is? Nicole, you may recognize the name? Or Arlene or Larry? Okay, how about beach volleyball? She, with her teammate Misty May Traynor, won the Olympic gold medal in 2004, 2008, and 2012 Summer Olympics for beach volleyball. And Jennifer Lawrence, a very, very popular actress, was born today in 1990. She's a baby, isn't she? Hunger Games and Silver Linings Playbook. Let's go to, that's all for the, the famous. Let's see if I can find all the wonderful stuff you sent me. Let's do some creativity statements, but first... Arlene, everybody is waiting patiently. We need to hear. Nicole, I Nicole's just been bugging me. She's been sending me notes in the chat. Larry already knows this. Can you read a couple of drabbles for us, Arlene, please?
3: Sure. I
1: would or be make too- one I- up on the spot, whatever you want to uh, do.
3: <laughs> I really don't think that would be helpful. Okay. I would be, uh, first of all, I'm going to get the glasses out. So yes.
1: That that would be helpful so I can find the book and then find the page. There you go. And Josh, our engineer, one name wonder Josh is gonna count the words. Josh, you're right. <laughs> Josh is probably doing something else right now after he put us on the air. Josh, you're gonna count to make sure that Arlene has only exactly one hundred words. Absolutely. Josh, right. you can say okay. yes if you hear me. If you or else you could just okay. ignore me and that's all. Josh you says, I'll oh, try. He's gonna try. Oh, go ahead, Arlene.
3: You were talking about your community. Yes. And how people are, well, you, you you are very with it. You are a contemporary person and you're always moving forward. So this is something which I'm sure you'll see the, the tie in. This is called everything man, all right? If Josh is counting, I'm sure he'll only find 100 words, although I may add one from nervousness, but otherwise. otherwise. <laughs> Harry's name came up whenever someone needed odd jobs or general upkeep done. In his mid 60s, he established an excellent reputation by being affordable, efficient, on time and neat. Being clean cut, masculine, in great shape and ruggedly handsome were attractive bonuses. These attributes endeared him to a predominantly female clientele, older women living alone. Most were particularly well-groomed for their appointments. Happily married, Harry never made advances on his clients. But had the opportunity arisen, more than one of them would have jumped without hesitation, especially Doreen, who had a penchant for slightly bow-legged men. He was her fantasy
1: cowboy. I'm very rarely speechless on the air, Arlene. It's hard to be a radio host who can't talk, but right now... I'm sorry. No, no, that's a compliment. Josh says... Josh says he laughed and lost track. Josh, you're allowed. Arlene, that was spectacular. I, I, that was a hundred words. A hundred words. Yeah. Nicole. No Nothing. No, I, I'm, I'm the picture. Yeah. That's part of my book. I'm writing. That's, I, that's got to go. I have to do a So I have to do a credit to you for a drabble in the middle of my book. I want that yeah. one. Uh, Nicole, what do you think? Could you drabble?
4: I think it would be very challenging, but I could use my creativity to try and get there. I thought that was fantastic.
1: It, it it was alarmingly good, wow, or disarmingly. That's a better word. Larry, what'd you think? I thought it was
2: fantastic. I mean, that's just an incredible skill.
1: The whole story was there. Arlene, is that is this the contents of your book, A Twist of Lemon?
3: Yes, this is the content of the book, A Twist of Lemon. There are 100 stories. I said, no name is repeated because uh, after a while you get here in 100 stories. Okay, there's another John, there's another Mary, there's another Alice. So every ethnicity I try to represent also in some of the stories. So you'll find something that's Asian or something that's Spanish. Yeah. So...
1: Arlene, how, how long does it take? I want you to read another one. How long is that okay, Nicole and Larry? Would you like to hear yeah, another absolutely. one? I would. Arlene, how long did it take you? You said three minutes. Was that a three-minute one? Was that an hour one? How many? How much oh, e- how, how much editing do you do?
3: <gasps> I do edit and then I have a professional editor. Okay. But basically, she say, Do you really want to say this? Or you've said it in a different way. So she can say really to the fact. I don't repeat anything because it would wear. Very thin on someone's ears with only one hundred words, so uh, it, it's a process. And I said many of the stories start out like two hundred and fifty words, and I I just have to keep keep there and cutting. But I love it. I absolutely love it.
1: So the trick is to start with a fuller story and then right. pare it down and get rid of the the chaff, right. if and you pair
3: will. It down. Everything is written by hand because there is a head, heart, hand connection. And after a while, and when I use a pencil because the pen, the graphite of the pencil scratches against the page, you can hear it, and it's like a story coming through the birth canal. So sometimes my original draft will be like four handwritten pages, and then I'll put it on the computer, and then I work from there. And when it's looking at me this way, it's different from looking down. I perceive things in a different fashion.
1: So fascinating. There's a skill. There's a skill there. And thank the, you. The editor, uh, your editor is probably that extra set of eyes and that extra yeah, set of
3: she, she really scrutinizes. And okay, do you want to reword this? Because she's not saying, not putting the words in my mouth. And always it comes out better. It Interesting. always comes out better. So I never say, oh no, it's it's a better product all of the time.
1: Arlene, before you do, I want a question for for Larry, for Nicole, for me, for anybody listening, watching. If somebody wanted to try their hand at writing Drabble, which sounds very interesting, doesn't it, Nicole? Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Where would you submit these? Where would you post? If you didn't want to write a book of 100 like you did, Arlene, and bravo to you, that's quite an undertaking, quite quite an exercise. Where would somebody, is there a place, is there a website where you submit Drabble? Where? Tell us, please.
3: You could. You could submit it. I do give courses at times on Airbnb, but the classes have to fill them so they could go there and it's under travel. Mm-hmm. I also do have, um, I'll be teaching at the college level at Blue Ridge Community College this fall just for uh, two or three weeks. And I hear the course is being sold very well. It is something that. People have contacted me or have sent me stories. And I used to have a contest every month and people would submit their stories. Maybe sometime I'll get back to that. So there would be a first prize, a second prize, literally. But now I'm trying to do that with readers perhaps signing in and saying, which do you like better? So it's not something that is complicated. All right, we have three travels, four travels. Which one would you say is number one, number two?
1: And that gives credibility and uh it is fascinating just fa- it, it, have you ever heard of people i, I had uh, uh, two authors on the show a couple of years ago who had never met in person but they were writing co-writing a book with chapters oh, and yeah. nicole you'll probably get a kick out of this and larry where one would write a cha- the introduction and i don't know if there was a limit to the words or the length of if it was audio or audiobook uh, that one would write a chapter and start the story And then they would send that to the next person and the next person would write where they think it was, should go. And then it would go back to the first person and they wrote the next i I'll call it an excerpt, the next chapter. So that the characters took on the life of who, in whose hands they were being molded at Hmm. the time of what chapter. So somebody, let's say Larry took what you had just written Arlene and, and, edited. and, and it. what, what, whatever the woman's name was, who, who was, uh, had her, her sights set on, on our hero, what she did or didn't do when he helped her to her car in a parking lot on a rainy day somewhere. Uh-huh. And then we would turn it over to Nicole and she would take it. Well, what did or didn't happen and who was waiting for him when he got back home. Anyway, just, just a thought. Very interesting. It's a, it's a continuing story. Arlene, read another one, please.
3: Sure, and I, for some reason I'm doing comedic. They're not all funny, but this is another one. Josh,
1: get funny. ready. Josh, we expect you to count okay. this one. No no breaks Go- for laughing. Go this ahead.
3: This is called Goo Goo Dada. Since becoming a grandma, Virginia quickly realized she was expected to babysit weekend evenings for her son and daughter-in-law, usually without courtesy of advance notice. Tired of being taken advantage of, Virginia explained to her son that occasional babysitting was fine, but a reliable long-term plan was needed. Her admonishments fell on deaf ears. The following Sunday evening, Virginia answered the door wearing a red satin robe and high heels. Her hair was disheveled and, except for smeared lipstick, her makeup perfect. Before closing the door after taking a sip of wine, Virginia purred to the startled couple, quote, not tonight, unquote. <laughs>
1: Josh, did you get that? He must be hysterical. I'm waiting for Josh to say something, not yet. Okay. Arlene, that was brilliant. It was you know, Brilliant. Frillig. Everybody knows the reference to brilliant. Josh says as close as I could tell it was 100. I think he's convulsed in laughter here. Arlene, brilliantly done. Bravo. Bravo to you. Uh, we have just a few minutes left. I want to give a little more time to our other two guests. So I'm going to go to you, Nicole. I'm looking at your uh, discussion statements. You sent me some creativity statements, and I have one here I really like. I'm going to read your statement number one, Nicole, and ask you to comment. So you say, creativity is self-uncensored, letting ideas flow without editing, painting without editing, brushstrokes, free writing. Nicole, take about two minutes, please, and just expand this for me, if you would.
4: Yeah, it's, you know, creativity can also be very healing. And it just allows us to unplug from everything else and just be in that moment focusing on the present and on what we're doing, whether it's putting a pencil to a paper, crocheting or knitting something um, or using our hands to decide where we're gonna plant the next flowers. And it really is, there's no wrong or right when it comes to creativity and that that's the beauty of being able to be creative and just going with it, leaning into it, not censoring yourself of, well, but how's this going to just, just doing what feels right. Very similar to what you were talking about earlier, where just, just letting it go when, when you write. Um, And that's how I view creativity in whatever, whatever fashion that means for us. And um, just being able to to do that, selecting the colors, putting the paintbrush on the canvas um, and, you know, typing what's coming to our mind without editing ourselves and just being in that space that is not going to come in and be critical. And then, you know, often the process is just as um, enjoyable, if not more so, than the final product.
1: Thank you very much. My Mac just froze for the first time in 52 <laughs> minutes on the air. There we go. Just unfroze. Uh, no, just ignore. I know Zoom is unresponsive. We're back. Larry, I want to get you to have one. Let me just ignore. I'm stuck again. I think I'm stuck. Larry, okay. let me read your creativity statement number Two, creativity is seeing what others may be limited in seeing. I'm going to keep us all on gallery view, so we're all on the screen at the same time. There we go. Larry, talk to me about that one, please.
2: Well, I think being creative forces you to look deeper, look wider, look further ahead than the people around you, and to be able to see those things that, like I said, maybe other people don't see. It's, you know, analogous to seeing the forest for the trees type thing and you know just being able to broaden your mind think about larger issues but then also how do you bring that back you can bring a large issue to a finite point if necessary and i think you've got to be creative to allow your mind to accept that reality and then you can convince others to bring that into reality for themselves
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for those statements. And and Nicole, I have a comment to you. I've been painting for about three years now. I bought a painting kit when I moved to Durham. I went to Michael's. They said, oh, this $59 and it comes in a carrying case and it's got brushes and it's got chalk and crayon and it's got watercolors and it's got acrylics and it's got paper and a guidebook and all that. And I put it in the closet for two and a half months. And one day I woke up and said, I'm getting out of the closet, put it on the kitchen counter. We have a great big kitchen counter. Just left it there. And a week or two later, I opened it up and I looked. At what was in and I said, that's really cool. You know, I got my money's worth. And then a couple weeks later, I said, well, I think I'll do a little painting. And I took some construction paper from my office and took out the watercolors I had, a little brush. I started painting. I said, well, that's kind of fun. And then I went and bought a bunch of canvases at Michael's and I started doing watercolors. But the painting you see behind me is one of my early watercolors. And this was my it was kind the lips were put on by the graphic artist at Voice America. So the lips weren't there. But what you're looking at Arlene, Nicole, and Larry may have heard this before is that's real jewelry. Those were odd earrings that didn't have a match that I realized <laughs> after I moved, I lost them. And I punched the earrings through the canvas. And this was my idea of, of a city where these were windows and buildings just just and I use a lot of glitter in my paintings. This happens to be be an avatar a caricature some advertising agency did for me but the background was one of mine with the you see the swaths Arlene of the pink and the yellow those were buildings that was a city so I started that and I started doing those and I did about 50 60 70 of those car loads of canvases and paints and then I decided to move to acrylics and Nicole what I'm telling we got to go quickly was I moved over to acrylic paint pouring and you pour Pools of paint, different colors on top of each other in egg cartons, and you turn it upside down and spill it onto the canvas, and you wobble the canvas so that the paint forms patterns, and it goes in directions. And then I'll let it dry for a while, and i say, oh, I see a couple things in there. Oh, there were some elephants in a forest. Oh, there were people singing on a Broadway stage. Things appear to me, Arlene, that come out of the paint and I don't censor it. And then I might add some glitter and then I'll leave it there for a day or two. I said, no, and I'll throw a blue color over the top of it. And you don't use brushes, you use string, you use balloons, you use everything filled with water. And after a couple of days, I'll know when it's done because Arlene, Nicole and Larry, the painting says to me, I'm done. That's enough. It may not look anything like when I started, but on that note, we need to get quickly. We got less than a minute here. Whoops. Having too much fun here. Arlene, where can people find you? Quickly, one website. Uh, a website,
3: info at ArleneDwayneHemingway.com or my email address, ADH70713 at Gmail. Thank and you very they much. And if my name up on Google, they'll find
1: it. Arlene, A-R-L-E-N-E, Dwayne, D-U-A-N-E, Hemingway, just the way it sounds. Nicole yes. Bueno, where can people find you, dear? Nicole Bueno.com. N I C O L E B U E N O dot com. Thank you. Easy. Larry Grogan, where can people find you?
2: A Telloflove.com. T-A-I-L.
1: T A I L. T A I L O F L O V E dot com. And I want to say thank you to Josh. I want to say thank you to Facebook. And please stick around. We didn't take pictures before. We were doing some audio setting. Here's my closing. Larry, you've heard this before. Life is short. Break the rules. This might be a hundred words, Arlene. Break the rules. Forgive quickly. Kiss slowly. It's the only way to kiss. Love truly. Laugh uncontrollably. Everybody join me. We're gonna laugh uncontrollably. One, two, three. I should always start the show with that. I don't know why and and never regret anything that made you smile. And here's the final closing. Work like you don't need the money because even if you you do, nobody cares. Just get your job done and do it well. Dance like nobody's watching, but they all used to watch when I was teaching. Sing like nobody's listening. I nobody was listening when I sang, hopefully they didn't hear it. Thank you, Larry. And love like you've never been hurt because we all have. Get over it get past it right nicole move on find a way to let your heart open up regenerate and love again love yourself find something somebody a color a painting a scent a person to love money talks chocolate sings and last but not least i stole this line from somebody thank you for turning me on everybody wave goodbye bye voice america empowerment